Good morning, everybody. This is Sky from Davy Jones Locker Room, and you are listening to Beneath the Frozen Sea, the DavyJonesLockerRoom.com podcast. We are talking about one of the most frustrating teams in Seattle sports, and that's a pretty high bar to clear right now, the Seattle Kraken. Seattle sports is coming for everyone in the Pacific Northwest right now. It's just been one of the worst weeks I can think of in recent memory. Uh, The Seahawks got their absolute ass handed to them by the Cowboys. It could have been anyone, but because it's the Cowboys, it hurts all the more. The Mariners just dumped a bunch of salary, and it looks like they are uh, taking a couple years off from being competitive, which stinks. Also, losing Kalenic like that is just a blow to the solar plexus that I'm not sure we're ever going to recover from, at least in the short term. Oh yeah, and the the Seattle Kraken have a six-game losing streak. I swear, to be a Seattle sports fan, you need to sign a waiver or something like that. Anyway, let's go over it. The Seattle Kraken are on a six-game losing streak that started back in November on the 24th with the Canucks loss that was a blowout, and they have just lost game after game after game since. To teams they probably shouldn't have, too. To say it's made for a frustrating watching experience would be wildly underselling it. And I could talk about any number of things. One of my big bugaboos throughout this entire losing streak has been that the net front defense has completely collapsed. Uh, For those of you who are new fans, net front defense is specifically when the entire skate... All five skaters are out in front of the goaltender trying to either block a shot, uh, win a a board battle, or trying to intercept the puck and get it out of the zone. Uh, That can be done any number of ways. You can, you know, impose your will or you can start using some nifty stick work to try and get the puck. Just do whatever works for you in that moment to get the puck. It's really not that hard. I mean, it is at the NHL level, but they're NHL players, so it's not hard for them. Just about every last part of that has completely collapsed in on itself for the Kraken. They don't win board battles. Their sticks are held in such a way that that pucks that hit them seem to just bounce away like they're a live grenade. And the part that's getting me is they don't have any speed. They are not up on these players. They are not harassing the other team anymore. They're slow. They're a step behind. That used to be the thing that they could pride themselves on. And now, now it's just not there. And they're out in the woods losing to teams they absolutely shouldn't. You should not be losing games to the Chicago Blackhawks this year. You should be giving up goals to Connor Bedard. That's okay. But not lose outright to them. They're awful. You should not be getting... You should not be getting shut out by the... You should not be getting shut out by the Ottawa freaking Senators! They're the Senators! They have no goaltending and almost no defense. Oh, but you showed them, didn't you? You showed them an inept, unworthy-of-praise performance that leaves this team in the lurch. It took the Edmonton Oilers a good long time to finally get their act together, but now they have at long last, eclipsed the Kraken. The Kraken are now the third worst team in the Pacific Division, only beaten by the Ducks and the Sharks. And even then, they're not even the hottest team of those three. The Sharks are on a three-game winning streak. The Sharks, a team I have mostly marveled at for being atrocious. 
and now they look amazing. Seattle's very smart fans have descended on this team, trying to figure out what exactly is causing this problem. And I feel like we need to stop pointing at one person or another. I'm certainly guilty of it. I think that uh, Matty Beneers has had a very rough start to his season, and I think it portends for a very bad sophomore slump. And if I'm being honest, I'm not super jazzed with all of the additions that they've made. I think they overcorrected on guys who can backcheck and nobody who could replace the five-on-five scoring. But we need to get away from that. We just gotta get away from that. Entirely. It's not just one player. It's not just a defenseman that's losing an opportunity. It's not just a crappy bounce. It's not one blown coverage. It's not one save you could have missed. It's all of these things. The reality we need to come to is that the Seattle Kraken system has been broken. By Hackstall or by the league, impossible to say. But it is broken. Right now, there is absolutely no buy-in with Dave Hackstall's system. And I know, I know, they've been hurt. They continue to be hurt. They are one of the most shockingly hurt teams in the NHL. Andre Burakovsky made it two periods, not even two periods, and he's already on injured reserve again. He's not an option right now. Just about everybody they've called up from Coachella has either been given absolutely no real ice time, or has been woefully overwhelmed. Or has been woefully overwhelmed. That doesn't really include Shane Wright. I think Shane Wright has done very well in his extremely limited time here, but it's never lasted. They are still conducting operations as though they are going to make the playoffs. And I'm going to be real with you, that's not a good way to do this. Every point you lose playing like ass, every point you lose playing like ass starts to pile up. The Edmonton Oilers are charging up the stands. They are beating teams by multiple goals now. They have finally turned that offense on and all the way up. You now have to contend with an Arizona Coyotes team that has, and I cannot believe I am saying this, nothing but good news. The Arizona Coyotes have nothing but good news right now. They're gonna have a new arena somewhere in the Phoenix area. They just had this insane run where they beat every team that won the Stanley Cup of the last five years, and they beat them pretty handily too. The Kraken at Thanksgiving were trying to hang on to a second wildcard spot. And now they are looking up at the Nashville Predators, a team that is technically rebuilding. The Arizona Coyotes, whose issues are long, storied, and we don't even have time to get into tonight. And they are all turning them around this year. And the Edmonton Oilers, a team we all thought was dead in the water. You're down with the Minnesota Wild and the Anaheim Ducks and the very worst of the Eastern Conference, and that's a bad place to be. And it's driving me nuts because most of this feels fixable. These issues that they've been running into over and over and over again have been mostly the same stuff, and it seems fixable, at least in my opinion. Maybe separate Adam Larson and Vince Dunn. Maybe drop veneers down a line. Maybe try to call up a goaltender. This is all stuff that you can do. And now we have to come to the guy whose job it is to execute most of that. And it's Dave Haxtell. 
I know that our thing over at DavyJonesLockerRoom.com is patience. We stress patience. We stress patience with rookies. We stress patience with coaching staffs. Hockey is not like football or baseball. Prospects come into the league pretty gradually. It's not immediate. So you've got to be patient and you've got to be willing to wait. And that stinks. We are in an age of immediacy. We don't like waiting, but waiting is good. It's important to remember that we are still on year three of this team existing. We have so little real data on what the prospect system really is. We have so little data on what professional team is actually going to look like by the end of the year because this team is not going to look the same after the trade deadline. I can guarantee you that. But the common denominator that I keep coming back to is that it's never just one player. You can make as many changes as you want, and it'll probably begin to squeeze some of these 4-3 results in the way of the Kraken, but you're still going to be struggling to get a convincing effort out of them. And I believe it is because of the system. I believe it is because of the system that Dave Haxtall has been running and that Ron Francis has not put any pressure on him to try and address. They look slow. They look weak. And these are National Hockey League players. They are paid millions of dollars to get hit in such a way that, that you would be in a two-inch divot in the ice. They're not scared. I know these players aren't scared. So why are they playing scared? And I think the answer is Dave Haxtall. I'm all for giving him a chance to fix this. But he is the guy who makes the decisions on who goes out there on the ice. He is the guy who makes the decisions on the lineup. He doesn't juggle the lines whatsoever unless he has to. And it's not working. It's obviously not working. At some point, we have to be able to say bigger change is needed. And I don't know how many deck chairs you can arrange on the Titanic. The iceberg still hit it. The ship's still taking on water. There is a systemic problem that is about to get exponentially worse if they don't address it. And lest we forget the, and uh, lest we forget, at the end of this month, there are going to be a million billion cameras at T-Mobile Park pointed at a sheet of ice that is going to have the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken on it. There are going to be so many people watching this. You have to show up for that game. I don't care if you lose every game from here to Christmas Day. From here to Christmas Day. If you lose in the Winter Classic, there needs to be some moving around of the deck chairs in the office. We have tried everything else, and that's not working. You have got until the new year to fix this, Dave. Or we will find someone who will. Anyway, let's talk about something positive for once. While the mainline Kraken have been pretty disappointing, the kids have actually been pretty good, and you may have a reason to turn on NHL Network, if you still happen to pay for cable, to watch the World Junior Championships, the IIHF championships that are usually run at different places around the globe, where a bunch of teenagers go at it to see who is the best hockey nation under the age of 20. Team Canada invited three Kraken prospects to their camp, it'll be Jagger Furcus, Carson Raykop, and Ty Nelson, who are going to don the black, red, and white, I don't know why black, don't ask me, 
I don't anticipate any one of them being sent home. World Juniors prognosticators are less bullish on Team Canada than they've been in the past, and so I imagine any amount of skill that they can bring there will inevitably turn them into a much better team. Team USA and Team Slovakia turned out their lists, but but we're still looking for the Scandinavian countries and Czechia's lists, as many Kraken prospects who are across the pond could end up in their home country's sweater. I would hope to see Eddie Chalet on Team Czech Republic. Uh, in the AHL, the Coachella Valley Firebirds are climbing their way back into the Pacific Division standings. They had a rough start and have sort of been going at or slightly above 500, but they're getting there. And hey, Shane Wright is currently the leading goal scorer. He currently has 16 points in 16 games and is the leading goal scorer with 9. It's good for him. I really don't think he needs to go to the World Juniors this year. I think we've had all we can of him getting bounced around. And now we come to our Around the NHL segment. Normally I'd have a discussion with Sean, but unfortunately he could not be here tonight, as I am doing this in the wee hours of the morning, because I don't sleep. Anyway, the NHL general manager's meeting was this week, and some pretty juicy info came out of it. Starting with what is expected to be a pretty hefty increase of the NHL salary cap ceiling. It will rise from 83.3 to 87.7 in the upcoming season. For those wondering, that would take the current cap space of the Seattle Kraken, if it all ended today, from about 2 million to a little above 6 million. Hey, 6 million's not bad. You could get a pretty good forward or a pretty good defenseman out of that. And goodness knows they need it. The spot for the NHL draft has also been decided. It will be held at the MGM Orb in Las Vegas, Nevada. The structure known as the Orb is a definitely interesting site, but it has also been marred by just a number of different things. It's, you know, obviously super expensive, and there are so many different uh, venues that it was trying to directly compete with, that it just wasn't going to be able to do so. Oh yeah, and uh, none of the contractors who built to the damn thing haven't been paid as of yet, and I hope that that gets remedied very soon, or that's going to be a pretty dark cloud hanging over the entire event. This is also going to be one of the first decentralized drafts of the uh, broadcasted draft era. For those of you who are confused by what that means, it's basically they're going to have a draft kind of like the NBA's or the NFL's. The reason they did that is because uh, a number of general managers complained that they felt that their fellow general manager, when they were all in the same room, were starting to snipe each other's strategies, and that doesn't make them very happy. So they pretty unanimously, pretty shockingly so, elected to do away with the former draft setup entirely. Uh, one cool thing that is happening uh, sort of parallel to the NHL season is that the PWHL season, the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League, is uh, going to get its first season off the ground. Uh, if you've been paying attention, you'll know that this has been a pretty rocky start, and it's been kind of a headache for those who cover uh, professional women's hockey pretty much from the minute go. For one thing, the PWHL comes out of two separate leagues, uh, the PWHPA and the PHF, that were all trying to sort of impart their vision on the sport, um, then the PHF's owners sold their uh, assets to the PWHPA, which prompted the creation of the PWHL. Naturally, this pissed off quite a few people. For one thing, I think a big part of that kind of falls at the feet of 
the people covering it. There was a lot of chaos in the first couple weeks after the PWHPA announced that the PWHL was going to exist and the PHF was no longer going to exist. And as a result, a lot of stuff either flew under the radar until it was picked up later or stuff was not adequately fed to the public in a reasonable amount of time. And as a result, fans filled in the information gap themselves with all sorts of conspiracy theories that the media has now had to put out the fires of and are just getting into constant fights on social media over. There were also a bunch of pretty major things that I think sort of got fans goat a little bit. For one thing, uh, once again, it's a women's league that is almost entirely on the East Coast, but they were planning on leaving out a number of pretty hockey-mad markets, and they still did at the end of the day. They Buffalo and New Jersey will be without a team this year, and uh, I expect that to change, but uh, people were already sort of sitting there with the expectation that not only did a number of people lose something that they really appreciated, a couple of franchises and a couple of fan bases are just without a team to replace it. And the league has just sort of had a number of PR snafus. Um, They had a very hard time getting a preview jersey out for every team. Um, They were very, very slow on acknowledging that their league logo had leaked itself. It has been a very bizarrely ahistorical league, as though it is trying to actively forget that the PHF ever existed in the first place. And that includes a fairly well-known and very well-celebrated team, the Minnesota Whitecaps, where uh, the PWHL Minnesota team kept running into this problem over and over again when they claimed that they were the first professional women's hockey team in the Minnesota area. Just got all sorts of people mad at them for it. And I will say that there is a very good article by Zoe Clare over at the Victory Press. It's an opinion piece. Uh, about what the league is trying to do and why it's important. Uh, This is one of the first leagues that has a CBA for its women's athletes. Uh, They are guaranteed the money and they are guaranteed the amenities that they have been fighting for for goodness knows how long, far longer than I've been alive. And if you've seen any of their practice facilities, you know that this is night and day. This looks like a real-ass professional-looking, professional-run, professionally-run league. At least on the nuts and bolts stuff, which I'm happy for and I'm glad that the players got it. However, I take umbrage to the idea that it's just the jerseys that were a major bugaboo for fans. If it was just the jerseys, no one would care. I think we'd all have a good laugh. Haha, they don't have team nicknames or whatever. And then we'd ignore it. The problem is the PR rollout of this league has been rough and it has been extremely hostile to a large segment of the fan base. And I feel like that's a little important. And it feels like you kind of have to strike while the iron's hot here. Women's sports is doing really well right now. NWSL, WNBA is doing real well. And I think a lot of fans are tired of the rigmarole with women's hockey. I think they're tired of a bunch of internal fights that ultimately don't involve the fan. I think they're definitely tired of leagues dying every five years and being replaced by new ones. I think what we want here is a league that has some of the best talent in the world that finally sticks around, and this is the kind of stuff that made the last two have significant issues. And the worst part is everyone who went to the preseason scrimmages in Utica, New York, said the hockey was great. 
Fans who got to go had a wonderful time. They filled that arena. So I guess my concern is you could be doing so much better and this rollout could be going so much smoother and it's all unforced errors. I cannot believe that with all the talent that you have on display, all the incredible, genuine legends of the Olympic stage and the world championships, that you are having this trouble. It seems like the league is really hoping that the hockey manages to overcome a lot of the concern that people have. And for their sake, I really hope they do. Because the alternative is we keep doing the five-year dance and no one wants to do that. And I guess that's where my personal anxiety with the PWHL lies is... The women's hockey sphere has never been given the kind of resources that the WNBA, for example, have been given. And they're certainly not given any of the, like, space and time to do that. And I'm just afraid that they're not going to be given that time and space again. They've had plenty of opportunities. The NHL has made it abundantly clear they are not coming to their rescue. They have made it clear to every single women's league that there has been. The PWHL is on its own. It isn't going to get the same help. So it has to stand on its own. And I think it could. It just needs to start, you know, involving fans. Because the sooner we start doing that, the sooner we can start expanding West. A revival of the Seattle Vamps, anyone? Can't be much worse than the Kraken are doing. Uh, And that is it for right now. Uh, And that will do it for right now. I'm in a better mood now that I've started to talk about stuff that's really good for the sport overall and interesting to look at going forward. Uh, The Kraken are going to be playing today at 7 o'clock against the Tampa Bay Lightning, a very mercurial team, but uh, one that can still absolutely pound you. So let's break this streak tonight. Fingers crossed. My name is Sky. Thank you very much for listening to Beneath the Frozen Sea. And if you want to see our written content, you can take a look at DavyJonesLockerRoom.com. You can also follow us on the decaying corpse known as Twitter.com at DavyJonesLR underscore. And in the not-too-distant future, we will be getting a little tip jar. Uh, it'll just be a little stripe link, so if you're feeling generous, you can uh, just, uh, you know, drop, I don't know, five bucks here or there. Thank you all very much for listening. My name is Sky once again. And as always, go squids, even if they're trying to kill us. (laughs)